In a world full of movie podcasts, here is one more. Welcome to Defend Your Movie with Sean Donnelly. The time has come again to be on Everybody and welcome to another edition of Defend Your Movie. I am one of your hosts, Sean Donnelly. I am joined by my beautiful, a- elegant, I think you'd say, <laughs> co-host, Andy Fiore. <laughs> well, thank you. How you uh, doing, buddy? Uh, and, uh, and full disclosure, we just uh-huh. had to restart. We did about 15 seconds of the podcast, <laughs> and we restarted because I feel, I feel weird. I did that thing where... You know, you self remedy. Uh, last night, I wasn't. I'm not even sick at all. Yeah. But I took. I wanted to go. I saw. You ever do this? You see Nyquil, and you're like, oh, I'd like to get a nice no. night's sleep. <laughs> and I grabbed one shot of Nyquil. Really? And I didn't think it would really. I, usually, I take two when I'm sick. So I'm like, oh, I won't do anything. But I've been uh, wanting to pass out all day. Uh-huh, I've yeah, been absolutely. Oh, it really knocks you Hangover. out. I know that's like the name of the game, but like it's like throwing me off. Like I literally, I was on the subway platform. Yeah. Some kid was like, some kid bumped into me, but I realized it was me because I was just walking weird on the. <laughs> like it really puts you in a weird, yeah, I, weird mood. Stay away from that stuff. Do I, you? I, yeah, I don't like it. You don't use medicine when you're sick. I try to just stick Benadryl to or the, something uh, or? with the pill form. I don't. I've. And I don't think it really does much for me. The liquid is, like, insane. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we started over, and now I feel more with it. But, you know, whatever. I took – I now – then I self-remedied again, remedied again by taking half a five-hour energy, which oh, hasn't good. kicked in yet, but whatever. <laughs> um, we have a special episode. We, on the podcast – we've done it once before, but we love the Coen brothers. We love – I think I've, – I've said this before. I think they have – Average-wise, I think they have the most amount of hits as far as critically acclaimed movies yeah. goes. We went and we tried to figure out once the best Coen Brothers movie, uh, and I think Fargo won. At the end, it was like, it just won. Like, it just, we kind of went through the whole gamut, and then we got to Fargo, and we're like, yeah, it's Fargo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, in, in, in that fashion, and in, in our love for the Coen Brothers, and how exciting it is that you just instantaneously, they came out with a, a new movie that you can so just watch excited. in your house immediately. Yeah. Now, what do you, before we start in the movie, what do you think of that? Like, what do you think about now? The way that movies are changing. Yeah. <clears throat> I love going to the theaters. I love going to the theaters. <laughs> I love staying at home. I love this. Yeah. I, I love staying at home. You love staying at home. I love movies on demand. I have a nice big 60-inch TV. I shut off all the lights. It kind of just feels like I'm at the movies. It feels like But I still... I'm I lazy, love, too. See, I like the movie experience. I yeah. was telling... I think I was weirding out somebody. Oh, Joe DeVito. I did a show with Joe DeVito. Super funny comic. We'll have him on the podcast soon, actually. Uh, I did a I did a, uh, a show with him in Albany, and on the way back, I was telling him, like, we were talking about me getting off soda. I don't drink soda anymore. And I go, one of the hardest things is going to the movies and mm. not having a soda. And it's really, really hard. And I went, uh, I go, yeah, I just, 
I, I, I think I was just tired when I said it. I go, yeah, I just love that that feeling of just uh, uh, walking to the theater and I just the smell of the, th- the popcorn smell and the feeling of I know I'm about to watch a movie and I, I just love that experience. Now, the way that's happening is that's disappearing. That's like because the only thing they're putting in theaters now is like the Marvels, the 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 Megs, the the giant thing. Yeah, yeah. And as far as wide release goes, because this Coen Brothers movies, uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Is actually at the IFC theater, so independent theaters are getting it, and I bet you the one that's on Twelfth uh, Street will get it as well. Sure, and they'll probably get it. Now what they're doing is these specialty things where they do it in seventy-five millimeter. They do it like they do yeah. Tarantino movies mm-hmm. that way to try to attract like real film nerds to go see these movies. I think, but it's not getting what it did. Like well, these movies aren't getting the release they did back in the day. Right. So that's why a lot of these like. These actors are like doing TV. Like Julia Roberts, not that she's like a thespian, but she's a good actress, and she had a big giant movie career, and now she's doing TV. But it's, yeah, she's it's an not Amazon a, Prime show. I think she's on Amazon Prime show. <laughs> yeah, that I think might be. It's supposed to be good. Homecoming, it's called. Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. And but like it's kind of like this would have been unheard of like ten years ago. I know it would have been that her career was over. And it's people, it big actors do like commercials now, which was like ugh, commercial. I'm a movie star. Yeah, like that's just the norm now. You know, yeah. So you see Dennis Quaid do uh, like be, uh, like a pitch man for ad, car insurance. And it's just like uh, it's not uh, turning your nose up at anymore. You know, what it's I mean? not turned up at all. Like yeah. well, you see, you also have George Clooney in like Nespresso. He's like the face <laughs> right? of Nespresso. Yeah, and he voiceover stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh that. yeah, I, absolutely. Um, so it's kind of interesting to me. But what you kind of get is. Like because there's so much content, and you have all these shows, and everybody's binge watching shows, and you can never keep track of all. Everybody's like, "You watch OA, you watch this," and I'm like, "No, I, I can't keep track." But there's like tons of content out there, so it's welcoming on the movie front for like you know like weird avant garde stuff. And uh, the Coen Brothers are kind of they're kind of like the most um, I think they're most like mainstream version of that avant. You know, it's not. Art house yeah. flicks. No, that's a good way to put it. But they're it. not mainstream. You I know? Would, yeah, it's a great way to put it. But they're fun to watch if you want to see an offbeat movie. You Absolutely. Know? It's like one of those things that they're such. They're such. Just, they're just beautiful oh my pick God. movie makers, man. Dude, that's like, you, almost just wanna, you almost want to cry. I know. You almost watch these movies and you're like, this is so gorgeous. Yeah. Like, and you're, like you really, maybe I'm getting too old. Maybe I'm just becoming, maybe I'm going to die soon. No, <laughs> it's not that you're, it's, it is almost unfair how good that you're like, not only are they beautiful to look at, obviously they're, they have a lot of ensemble characters so they know how to cast and find talent for what they need. They're beautifully shot and beautifully written and hilariously written. You're like, they can't be great at all these things. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's yeah. almost unfair. It's a lot of times when you're like a younger comic and you're just like, wow, I, I watch a – name any comic. You go, I can never be that good. Yeah. You're like, it's unfair how it's funny unfair. that guy yeah. is. I have that now and I'm a comic. Right, I, exactly. I, I, I watch John Mulaney and I'm like, I will never be that. Yeah. And I, and I love it. I love him so much. I think he's so great. But in my head, I'm like, oh, man, I wish, right. I, I, wish I could do that. And then you're like, what if I work hard enough I can be my own version of that? Yeah. And then after I mean, a while, you're like, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> too insecure to get that done um but when it comes to these movies but also on the flip side of things they do have their misses um i the people love burn after reading i don't like it as much as people do i'm I, with you 
Uh, right, I, I'm not as much of a fan. Also, uh, Intolerable Cruelty, yeah. I think was a like really big miss for them. But like I said, they have a lot of killers. I have they a have, lot of friends who are like, you got to watch it again, man. You got to watch it again. Which one? Intolerable Cruelty. No, no. I'm just saying a lot of Coens go like that, and I go, all right, maybe because you know, Burn After Reading. I heard that about, and I might do that. Yeah, I watched it once. I, I you'll find something in there that you like yeah. in all of them. So what, what I'd I like mean? to do today is uh. Uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is now on Netflix and also, like I just said, in uh, independent theaters. Uh, I would like to see where it fits into the, the, the lexicon, the, <laughs> the countdown of the, the, um, of the Coen Brothers movies. I want to talk about in general first, then we can talk about where it fits in, and then we can have uh, Radio Times, I guess, is a website, and they did a list. I guess it's, we just wanted a list of the actual vignettes. What would you call them, vignettes? I guess. Yeah, vignettes. Yeah, vignettes. Exactly. Um, we have a, I just wanted a list, but they actually rated what they thought from there's six of them from six down to one we'll give you what they what they uh what they printed or they what they posted mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll see if we agree or not okay Okey doke. uh first impressions what did you think i thought it was good uh, i wouldn't say loved but i enjoyed it i thought it was entertaining uh it had a lot of cohen-esque stuff in it it was beautiful to look at uh, i really liked the cinematography of it i liked the acting i thought it was well acted um but i if we're going to do the scale of 1 to 10, I would maybe give it around a 5 or a 6 for Cohen. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. F- five? Five. Or six. Five and, let's go five and a half. 5.5 5 out of 10. Wow. Your thoughts? I... Okay. How... And there's ones I loved, and there's ones I just didn't like. So I, it's easy to break that up, you know? So it's harder to add that up. I guess what I can do is... I think this. It's not my favorite Coen Brothers movie, I, but I think it was a really fun thing to do. I think, god damn, when it comes to, like you said, when it comes to how the, whoever their cinematographer is and, and just this movie alone, I've never said this in my life. Watch it for the lighting. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard somebody say that to about a movie? Like I remember when I was in I was in college. I took I, I was going to college for film, but even we took a uh, in film class. We watched uh, the 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 ghost and the the ghost in the darkness, which is the Michael Douglas movie. That's not a great movie. It's uh-huh. about those two lions that were they were tormenting a village in Africa. I think it was, and these guys were sent in to to hunt them down or whatever. And Michael Douglas was one of them, and it won awards for sound. And we watched it because of the sound. Right. Right. It, this should – is there a lighting Oscar? Uh, Alex, I is there a lighting, lighting Oscar? And sound, yeah, some of those technical awards. Because I've never in my life thought of just telling somebody to watch a movie just to watch the – what? Lighting, lighting design. design. Yeah, there's definitely sound. Watch this movie just for the lighting. And I think if you say that and you really feel that way – I have to love this movie because it's one of those things where, like, think about the most mundane thing you could make, you, you would assume yeah. would it be, but it just it makes it like you like just the different types of natural lighting they have, just the 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 feel of it, the natural, just everything. Like even if you take the Tom Waits one, just to get into the vignettes, the, just the crystal clearness. That of one is it, the when outdoors. you started saying this, the one I immediately went to in my head. Oh yeah, and also. There's other ones where they have the lamps that are just giving off the right amount of light, and it just—it's almost like they're characters in the movie. It's—it's—and I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, up my own ass here by saying this. It really is remarkable because the more you watch movies and you learn about them, you realize how hard it is to do that. You don't know how hard it is to make a movie sound and look 
lighting wise, authentic and and just beautiful in general, you know? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Like, you hear things about it, like The Revenant, that they did it all, which I thought was amazing. They did yeah. it all natural light. That blew my mind. But them doing the lighting design on this, I'm guessing it was them doing it. It had to have been. And I don't know if it was any manipulation afterwards uh-huh. to the digital film. I don't know. I, have to, I haven't looked into it yet because I just literally stopped watching it. But the lighting is is just enough reason to watch this movie. Because you know you're going to get a decent enough movie because it's Coen Brothers. Absolutely. And then to watch it, you're like, wow, that's really cool how they did that. You know? So that's my first thing. Just okay. to be like, I never thought I would say that and I said it. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought... I, I, whenever I watch these movies, I always think... Um, you always you feel smarter kind of watching a Coen Brothers movie sometimes. <laughs> but also you feel dumber sometimes because you're like, what am I missing? You're like, I'm getting right, some of right. this and I'm missing some of this. Uh, so that's how I felt when I was watching it. I felt like they were all tied together. Uh, my big my big reveal is I think they were all tied together by whatever that far, the forehead thing was. I don't know if you noticed okay. that. I was looking for the same sorts of clues and the, and the knot that tied them all together as well. And I didn't come up with anything. But I do. There's a thing with getting shot in the head. Everybody, gets, yes. when they get shot, they get shot in yes. the head. Everything's right. in the head. Yep. The, the forehead, right, right in the, the forehead. middle of the forehead. Yep. Uh, and also, even with, um, and I could be misremembering this, but even the one with uh, the, the girl who uh-huh. sh- ends up shooting herself in the head. Zoe Kazan. Zoe Kazan, yeah. right. The girl who got rattled. The girl Down who got rattled. That's what that Down. one's called. Even with that one. When her brother dies in it, they have a shot of the brother, and the fly, I think, is on the center. There's a fly, because he's right. dead. I did, dead body. I did notice the fly. And you notice him on the center of his forehead. Yeah, that's the thing. And I'm wondering, what is the symbolism? I know it connects everything. Everything it, like the, the first one, the Buster Scruggins, the, the namesake of the movie, uh, he gets shot in the head at the end. Uh, and, that, he, and what? When he... Uh, he kicks up the when he kicks the table and the other it shoots, shoots himself right in, the head. in the head. Everything's in the head. Yeah, everything's in the head. And I was like, the only thing I could think of, you bring it back to religion because it's all about death. You bring it back to religion, and when you go to Ash Wednesday as a um, Catholic, yeah, yeah, you get the ashes uh-huh. right in that uh-huh. spot. And I don't know the significance of I don't know what they're thinking along the lines. Maybe it's just. Maybe that's a religious way to die for these people, because uh, there's death in every episode. Yeah. And every and then and then the the very last one is just straight up the whole thing's about death. Right. You know? Right. Right. Um, so I'm guessing the 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 um significance of the forehead shots. That's what it's got to be. I'm guessing it's something to do with religion. But I yeah, could it was be, a very religious movie. But a lot knows? of religious overtones. Yeah, but I also could be overthinking it. You know, like I could be sitting there thinking that's the case. No, you're not. probably right when it comes to the Coen brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so as far as my general opinion, I thought it was good. I thought it was. I thought it was kind of cool doing the vignette thing. Even though it was about the Old West, it kind of fit into our modern sensibilities because nobody has an attention span anymore. Yeah. So it was like watching six <laughs> movies at once. Uh, not at once, but, you know, six movies back to back and shortly. You, you don't have to get too attached or, you know, spend too much time on one topic. And I think – You uh, like your Westerns too. I, I was saying this to somebody – I was saying it to – I was saying this to – and I, I was saying it to another comic last night because <laughs> I don't want uh, – I the older I get, the more into westerns I get. Yeah, I can see that. My, I I just had watched Deadwood for the first time ever recently. I've I never just, watched Deadwood. I went I through to Deadwood, watch it. and I really loved it. And so I was kind of on a, a western frontier kick. So I was like, oh, I love all this. So well, yeah, maybe you're right about me and my roommate just bought Red Dead Redemption too. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, and that's just really crazy. Wow, perfect timing for both of these. Things. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think there's like a resurgence because there's all the, all these modern westerns like Hell or High Water. Yeah, and, yeah. And that one that takes place in like uh, where was that one with Jeremy Renner? The one that and it's kind of a modern western. It's the um, I forget the name of it. It came. It's good. It came out where he's the he's the hunt. He's the I don't, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. Right. I forget. I saw it a while ago, but. I think there's like almost like a, a Western resurgence. I think there's like a thing. Because yeah. back in the 70s – no, no, no. When was it? Oh, in the 50s. The Westerns were really big. My dad sure. was a huge Western. I know. My, mentioned. I mentioned that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've never – when I was a kid, I didn't care. But now when I watch these things, I get more and more into them. I find the stories interesting. And I think the language they use in these in these movies, I'm guessing it's authentic. And it's so cool to watch. And just the attitudes. Um, and just – like just in filmmaking in general, the way this thing is shot uh, is just remarkable. So I liked it for other reasons. Like, do I is it was it the most like enjoyable Coen Brothers movie? No, I probably like uh, Fargo. I probably liked Fargo better the first time I saw it right away. But do I appreciate what what the work that went into this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, where do you think? Where would it fit? Because you gave it a five or a six. I think I'd probably give. I think I'd go one above you and do a seven. I think I, I'd have to do a seven yeah. on it because I did. I appreciated the movie. Uh, where would you put it? Would you say it's better than? Uh, what about? Um, I mean, that's tough to fit it in between the canon of the Coens. Yeah, the Cohen canon. Um, I would. I don't know, man. Uh, I, toward the end, toward the back. I've watched. I gotta watch. The Coens always grow on me. How about I, this? On repeat feelings. Serious Man better than Serious Man? No. See, I liked it better than Serious Man. I like those Serious Man a lot. It's got Serious Man. I don't know if it's flip test worthy, but it's pretty close. I like a Serious Man a lot. Serious Man, I liked a lot, but I've heard you appreciate it way more if you're Jewish because like, <laughs> yeah. and you grew up in that time period. I heard. I'm it's sure like, it's like amazing if you're if that's the case. So, uh, but Serious Man, I think is good. But this, I did. I was more uh, interested in this. I was more like. I like. I found myself just staring at the screen, but I don't know if it was because of the Nyquil effects. Or was... <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think where it fits in for me is like after Serious Man, obviously not as much as uh, Fargo, uh, no. uh, Raising Arizona. I, no like, I like better than this. Like, but like, but here's the thing, man. Like, I think they're in a different part of their careers now, so maybe we shouldn't 100%. even compare that. Like, I think these guys are like. It's almost like um, the Wes Anderson effect, which I think I've talked about. On a podcast before, where Wes Anderson to me, you have you, you had like the 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 the, the what's his name uh, Owen Wilson years, I Owen, agree, the Owen and West years, yes. and then you have him going into his fantasy world later on. You have him, well, yeah, you know, him, like the Noah Baumbach kind of exactly effect. the the hipster, more hipsterish. Right, right. Uh, and this is more; it's almost cartoonish kind of uh, universe. Yeah, but and I thought they got back there with uh, the Kingdom? Grand Budapest Hotel. I thought that was I was like, oh, good to see him kind of get back from. On the right track. I didn't love Moonrise Kingdom, and I the one before that, I can't remember what it was. If someone wants to help me out. Uh, whatever the one before. I love the first three, obviously. The first four, actually. Uh, yeah. Bottle Rocket. But those are so, those are so much more real world bombs. based, and also Tenant Bombs being based in this, basically New York is helps as all, helps also. And then, but after Tenant Bombs, he started to go like it became way more. Oh, I love Life Aquatic too. Life Aquatic was one where it was like after a couple of viewings, I was like, oh, I love it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I think uh, the reason I bring it up is because 
uh, the Coens, they're almost in their Cohen universe now. Like, like if you bring Tim Blake Nelson in and he yeah. has and he has his droll, there you go. You're like it's Coens. Coens. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, what other, what other, what else has he done? Because he's also a writer, I believe. Tim Blake Nelson. I think he writes stuff and he also acts. But like the most memorable Tim Blake Nelson stuff is the Cohen. Cohen yeah, Rose. Oh Brother Art Thou. Right, I mean, exactly. Totally. Which, which, which I love. Oh Brother I love. Art Thou. This I like that obviously better than this. way better. That's in my yeah. top five. But it films. might be right behind that one. Oh come on, Oh Brother. That's yeah, flip test for me too. I mean, it's definitely Oh Brother's above it, but this might be right behind it. Interesting. Well, I didn't know you liked it that much. I may. I might. You know what? I'm. You know, I'm going through a lot of shit, Andy. <laughs> and maybe it just hit me. Maybe like, you're it, just on a NyQuil high. I am on a night. Maybe I was on a NyQuil high. Um, I think it, it was so beautiful the way it was done. I think that hit me. I think the pacing of it was great. I, I liked that they switched it up and did it like this, this storybook kind of thing. I think. Yeah, well, it was it was long. It's it clocks in at two fifteen. I think two thirteen. Yeah, it's a long movie. Uh, I, pacing was a little bit of an issue for me. There was a few that I thought went too long. And once we go through them, I'll, I'll tell you which okay. ones. Let's, let's go. Let's do it right let's now. Let's go to the list. Yeah, we'll go to. Uh, and this is from, this is Radio Times, Alex. Yeah. Okay. Well, they, so this is their. List That's not of a famous website, but they gave their rundown of what they thought was the best and their rating of it. Um, let's talk one by one these okay. things. Uh, the what they have at number six. So this is their what they feel is the worst one, and they're not an authority. You can you can make your opinion. No, this is here. a jumping off point. This for is us. some website. Yeah. The mortal, the mortal remains, starring Brendan Gleeson, Tyne Daly, and Sal Ru- Sal Rubinek. and Sal Rubinek, Like, I yeah, love, yeah, I like, love, yeah. yeah we, I was talking about him with was that was that us talking about him? I don't think so. Was that me and you? Yeah. That was. We were. <laughs> we were talking about him in True Romance. He plays the 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 pr- producer. Yes. And we were talking how much we love him, and it's great to see he him. He's good. One of those guys. They. That's another thing with the Coen brothers. Yeah, they they know they find people. Oh, maybe they put them in the perfect spot. Like Tarantino was famous for bringing people back. Yeah, he's does Coen that too. brothers. They know how to cast stuff, and they, they also do. know how to. Wow, they know a character actor when they see. Uh, I think Ellen Eleanor Chenoweth is their casting director. If, if oh, they've really? used her forever, Ellen or Ellen. I'm sorry. They are yeah, Ellen or Eleanor. They are amazing. Uh so this is the one. This is the last one. And I agree with that. It was my least favorite. The the website gave it a four out of ten. Um, I I think it was my least favorite as well. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, now I, I'm, I just watched it, so I'm like all over the map in my brain. Um, why did you not dig it? Did you think it was too long? Yeah, I thought it was a little too long. The monologues were a little too lengthy. Uh, the songs I didn't really like get into. Um, but I do like Brendan Gleeson a lot. And I think I feel like the Coen brothers could use him better um, I in, think in him, their universe. Well, there's a scene. So it's they're all it's these four people. Five. There's five, a trapper, a fur trapper, a, a separated older woman. Um, who's Tyne Daly? Who's Tyne Daly? And then Sal, Sal Rubinek, who's a Frenchman. Yeah. Uh, and then there's these two other men. One is one is English uh, with a mustache, kind of devilish looking. Yeah. And the other one's Brendan Gleeson, Irish. Yeah. And they're bounty hunters. Right. Um, and they're transporting a, a corpse. Transporting a corpse that's above the stagecoach, and they're What's riding, and then the the, the the inhabitants of the stagecoach get into a real uh, heated argument, and they basically they're calling out Tyne Daly for you know uh, her behavior with her husband, and the husband probably cheated on her, all this crazy stuff. And it's interesting, you know, something's up. Something. It's one of those things you're watching. There's something's amiss. Like if it was like if you were reading this in a book, you would be like, oh, there, there's something behind this. There's, yeah. That there was a lot of symbolism in that, and I Absolutely. think what you're supposed to take from it is they're they're writing to their they're writing to their death. Yeah. They're, like to hell. I, I, exactly. Yeah, they're and going I, to hell. Pre, yeah, that's why it was. Uh, they made a very big point to be like. Uh, 
the stagecoach never stops. It, that's just the rules. Yes. You know, so it doesn't. You know. Yeah. And then they, they did not show the stagecoach driver's face. No. Uh, it, it had a very ominous when he when he peeks his head out and asks him to stop. It's very ominous. But it did have a cool ending, the Sal Rubinek ending, where he just kind of realized. I think he realized where yep. he was going when they entered the house. Yeah. And kind of did a flip with his hat and tapped it on, which is very cool. And then he just accepted his fate. Yeah. And the Bre- the Brendan. And also, he kind of looks like Charlie Chaplin as he's walking. <laughs> it, was, it, was, that was, it was a cool ending. Yeah. Like, there's. A, but it was my least favorite. And Brendan Gleeson sing, singing was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like I said, I love him, and I feel like uh, he could be a bigger part of – they could find something great for him. But the interesting part is uh, um, when Tyne Daly is talking about her husband, she keeps saying was, is, was, is. Right. And then you're supposed to th- – I thought it was going to be a big reveal like, oh, her husband's dead and she's, she's crazy. But what it ends up being is that, well, she's dead. Yeah. Like she, so I think that's supposed to be the point of that, right? Yeah, I think they're all. Did I mess that up? No, no, no. I think they're all dead. The first... They're all dead. But yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is, her husband's on the stagecoach. But she no, keeps no. referring to how good of a, a man her husband is, and how he's a, a smart and this. He's a professor or something like a doctor. Yeah, he's, he's a, a doctor. doctor. So she keeps talking about him, but she keeps switching. She goes, "He is a. Uh, he was a very. Right, he is a very intelligent herself. man. So what the was the the past tense is because yeah. she's gone. Right." But it's but you don't know why she's doing it. But I I, I assumed she was doing it because he's dead and she's not coming to terms with him being dead. Oh, interesting. Uh, but I might have just been confused. Who knows? But um, so it was really interesting. So that was weird. And then the guy who played one of the bounty hunters, which is basically the Grim Reapers, because he even calls right, himself right. Reapers. Yeah, yeah. And then they correct him and say you're bounty hunters, and he goes, "Oh, that's a bad term, bounty hunter." <laughs> like you know, so it's, so that guy has this. He's supposed to be. It's like the devil. Yeah. He just has this devil's mustache. He has exactly. The goatee, uh, and it's it's shot really cool, but it is not the best one. So number six, I think we can agree that was our least favorite. <clears throat> Num- their number five, uh, we mentioned it once already. The gal who got rattled, starring Zoe Kazan, Bill Heck, and Gr- Granger Hines. Um, this is the one with the, the wagon train. Uh-huh. The wagon train going to Oregon. A wagon train going to Oregon, and they, and, and there's kind of a interesting opening scene where there's a dinner scene, uh, and there's kind of this, like, she's kind of like a spinsterish type sister, and her, her brother's there, and he's talking about he's gonna, he's gonna marry her off, so he right, can- Right, to a business partner. To a business to... partner, so he can kind of get, have a deal go through, and, and he, and he's very insulting to her, uh, and kind of treating her like property. And uh, they're like, well, we'll miss you. And then they show the wagon train, and her and the brother are, are walking. And I think they're supposed to imply the brother's gay, right? I think, I think imply- so. I think they're implying the brother's gay because by not he didn't do anything. He's not like a cowboy. He's not doing anything. He just they have a worker on the on the on the wagon train, and he's kind of flamboyant. He has he's kind of dressed flamboyantly for that time, I mean, unless that's my own. <laughs> my own no, no, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's what the assumption is: is that he's gay. So. But uh, but very quickly you notice the the boy the the brother is coughing, and uh, they're on this wagon train, and then very soon there he has a coughing fit late one night, and then he's just dead. Uh huh. Um, and the girl, the sister, now is alone on the trip with just this guy who's working for their you know he's moving their their. That's him. He ha- he and his business partner move wagon trains. Across the country, that's their job. Right, right, you know, right. They, oh no, no, those two guys. But I'm saying they have like a what do they call them? The boy, the boy that that helps them out for their their. Oh yeah, their the, oh, right, 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 that, right. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So th- then it kind of becomes a love story between the guy running the wagon train. Yeah. Like I think I think it's Bill Heck. I think that might be Bill yeah, Heck. Yeah. I'm not sure. And uh, and this woman, and he and he has an idea because the woman has no money to pay yeah. the worker. Miss Longbow. Miss Longbow. She has no money to pay the worker. So you think the whole story is going to be about their them meeting up. Because like, all right, how about if I ask you to marry me and I'll take the debt on? And then you're like, oh, this is nice. And then randomly. It's they wake up one day and his business partner, who's kind of this hardened, kind of like um, even more badass Sam Sam Elliott. I feel like yeah, you know yeah, just like, the quiet just a, brooding. Ah, oh, just a badass. Wants nothing to do with Miss Longborough the whole the whole yeah, time. But what ends up happening is um, she's off the trail. He goes to find her, the, the the badass, the Sam Elliott type guy, and I forget his character name. And he finds her like the, her, the dog. President Pierce. President dog. Pierce, the dog, is barking at the uh, the prairie dogs. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, there's uh, a Native American that comes. Yeah, a lot of Indian say, attacks. Don't say Indian. Oh, sorry. A lot of Indian attacks. Oh, I'm kidding. But so, and they see one, and he's the scout, obviously. Yeah. And then right away, the guy who's barely talked the whole he vignette. He in action. He goes right in action. He's just a badass. And he's like, well, they don't even know who they're missing. We'll pick him off. And he got his rifle, and he picks uh-huh. him off. And he tells her, he has this great line of speech where he just goes, he goes, okay, they come, they, they get this far down, you see something happen to me, you shoot yourself right in the yep. center of the forehead. Once again, center of the forehead. And there's a whole battle with the Indians to cut it short. And then uh, at one, he sees a weird, a horse riding and he kind of looks at it funny, the, the badass guy. And then it turns out uh, there's an Indian riding side saddle, he doesn't see him, yes. hits him with a tomahawk, you think the guy's dead. He's and he's possum. not. He's, yeah, he's playing possum. Shoots the shoots the shoots the Native American. <laughs> it's very hard to do this without. And uh, and then walks back over to to the to the, the hideout where she yeah. was and finds her dead because she thought he was dead, so right. she shot herself in the head. And then they close it with her him going walking back to tell the love interest that she's dead. Yeah. And then that's how they end it. And it's actually pretty pretty great. What do you think of this one? I I liked this one. But it's in the same spot. I would put it. I would put it in the fifth spot. I think. I think it's the 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 because it's funny because they have uh, a physical one, book to intro all these yeah, vignettes with a, with a little illustration, and I think it's my favorite of the illustrations. Oh, that's a good. I, think I didn't think of. I didn't. Uh, I, well, I have a, another favorite one, but I'll. It's it's the fav my favorite of like the, the shot that shot because. Ah, that's why. That's why you gotta really. If you like film, just why, yeah. how do you not like these guys' films? Because the last scene is just him walking up to his friend and business partner, and he has to tell him that this woman he just said he would marry, and he, and the guy's falling in love with her. She, sure, he, sure. He's in love with her, like very shortly, but he's in love with her, very quickly, but he's in love with her. So there's so much. That's what's there's so much that can be unsaid, and that can be conveyed in film. And I feel like. That scene where he's waiting and you're like, oh my god, you want to see it, but also you don't see it, so you kind of you plug it in with your mind, basically. You're like, oh my, just the emotion. It makes it so much more emotional not seeing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I love that last shot. It's just the back of the guy and the dog, President Pierce, next to him, and he's the other guy's riding up and he, or walking up or whatever, and they're waiting for him to get there. And and the line they put in the book is, he had no idea what he's going to say to him. And yeah, I, it's really dramatic great, yeah. and really emotional and really cool. I thought it was the best of the last sh- the last shots to, of to, those uh, vignettes. Billy Knapp, I think. Was, he had no Billy idea what he was going to say to Billy Knapp. Billy Knapp, yeah, that's the guy. Uh, um, yeah, it was a, it's a good one, but it, I think for as far as this is right in the same position where I would keep it. Uh, yeah, I could say it, that. Because it, it was a little long, too, uh, for me. Um, I tend to... Tended to like the uh, shorter ones. They did. Shorter get, ones. I feel like they did get longer as they went on. Well, we have a shorter one next, uh, and this might be one of your favorites. You might switch this one. Uh, near Al 
Aldeganis? Let me see. Alde- near Aldeganis. Yeah, yeah, near Aldeganis. Near Aldeganis with James Franco and Steven Root. Yeah, I'm popping this one up. For really? What, what number is of you? Two. Really? Uh-huh. I like uh, this one a lot. Okay, okay, okay. I love Steven Root. I love well, him. Well, there you go. Steven Root's amazing. <laughs> I and love he's, Steven and Root. And he's, he's so good in and this. He's so good in Coen Brothers Also, movies. the amount of time that Steven Root plays a guy behind a desk. <laughs> you ever know <laughs> Here's the, Here it comes. <laughs> What'd you say? Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld reference, Alex. <laughs> yeah, we've done this one already, too. I think it's, yeah. I think it's I think, pine. I think it's pine. Yeah, Oak's nice. I like Oak. Yeah, Oak's nice. But think about it. There's a greeting. It started with an H. Has twenty ducks now. <laughs> but think about it this way. He's the he's the banker in this. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's the blind man. He's in the banker Old brother. in Seinfeld. He's the blind man in Old Brother, and he's in the behind the desk there. Also, he's the isn't he the um what's his name Milton? He's in Milton office in Office Space. Desk. He's in News Radio. There's a desk behind there. A desk. He's the boss. He's the boss. But I'm saying, like, there's so many shots of him behind a desk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no Country for Old Men, behind a desk. Yeah. When when Woody uh-huh. Allison goes to see him, he's always behind that desk in that, in that weird office. One of my favorite, favorite character actors. This was my favorite illustration because after one, you just start to wait for the illustration to come to life when you're watching him. You go, oh, there was the illustration. And, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a funny – this one was kind of the funniest to me. With uh, it was like darkly funny. Yeah, the first um, two were really were funny, and then they got kind of yeah dramatic. This was the second one, uh, right after the uh, intro, and yeah, this one had James Franco as kind of a, a bank robber, I guess. Yeah, uh, he comes in to rob uh, the bank that Stephen Root owns, and uh, Stephen Root kind of roughly goes, "Yeah, we've had a couple of robberies." They all, you know, and he has this great. It's a classic like. Tricky gun setup, three rifles behind the, uh, the the bank vault. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes out and he's got his own like he's pots and pans uh, as like bulletproof vests. Yeah. And James Franco's these- firing him and he hits the pans. He's going pot shot and he's calling him out. As he oh, is that shot. what he's saying? That's what he's saying. He, when he got hit, he goes pot shot. And that was a, really that was funny. the illustration pot shot. Now is that where pot shot comes from? I think so. I don't know, but because there's two different sayings they use in this in this movie that I think are the origins of the sayings. Well, well oh. the way I know it, I was a pot shot was like a cheap shot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe oh, pot shot. Yeah, so it could be, but I don't know if that's a thing from the old west. Maybe, but, but he, like flash in the pan is one of those sayings. We're like, oh yeah, that comes from the old west. Trying to get a flash in the pan, trying right. to get you know, like and start that, a that fire. Kind of yeah. So well, he had like one a, of those so, just an outfit of just pots and pans, yeah, like, and like a washboard and like random stuff, like what a little kid would do almost, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, he, and then he just and then he just full on cocks him across the face with a rifle, yeah. And then the story goes: uh, Franco wakes up and he's hanging like he's noose, a noose around the around neck him. on a horse, on horse next to a tree, and then the quote unquote lawmen are there, like we've had your trial. How do you want to you want to say anything before your sentence is carried yeah. out? And out of nowhere, once again, another engine fight. Another engine fight. You got the, <laughs> the Indians. They come up on them, and uh, and he's still. Hang- and they sh- it's actually a great. They they create tension really great because he's on the horse still, and the horse is getting spooked by the whole fight that's going on. Well, this was that was one of my f- favorite things. Was when I guess the chief yeah rides up, up to Franco because they kill everybody else. But and you think he's like gonna spare. But then he just kind of spooks the horse, so the horse rides away. Yeah, yeah. And like they will get bit. hanged like, anyway. Kinda, yeah. But that doesn't happen. But he, So the uh, the Indians go away, and he's just kind of sitting there on his horse. But the horse is starting to graze in the pasture. And as the horse walks further away from the tree, 
he keeps getting stretched yeah, out. Like yeah. at any second, he's going to fall off. And then uh, a, a herder, herder, a sheep herder him. comes by. And uh, where does it go from there? Oh, he, oh, it's, it's it's really funny because it's just a really quick ending. The herder is like. I'm glad I found you because I lost my other ranch hand or whatever it was. Shows up, sees <laughs> the herder, sees another lawman on the hill, and goes, ah, oh, shit. And he goes, ha! And he takes off with the cattle. Oh, yeah, they were then, doing something illegal. Yeah. With, what do you mean? With, oh, oh, yeah, something illegal. Yeah, yeah. With then, whatever they were doing. And then, yeah, he's back on the... Uh, back on the noose. In the hangman's court. It's a great, great last line. Because yeah. he literally... They, all these guys that are getting hanged are, are lined up. And the guy next to him is crying, like, like nonstop. Just yeah. Losing, blubbering, losing his mind. And great Franco, last Frank, line. Franco looks at him and goes... That's not the last line, though. Oh, it's not the last line. But it's a great... Second to last line. The last two great lines. Yeah, he goes... Go ahead. He goes... First time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. It's yeah. like a great line. What's and the then, last line? The last line is uh, he makes eye contact with this beautiful girl. Yes. And she smiles at him. And so the last thing he sees when they put the bag, the, you know, the sack over their head, he goes, that's a beautiful girl. Yeah. And then and then you hear the clunk clink, and they go, and then he's hanged. And that's it. But that was a cool. That's like classic Cullen. I love that. I love that ending. I love that dark humor. And then I love the regret that you see right before you die. It's, oh, that's a beautiful. I loved that. That's my second favorite. So you bumped this up to number number, number two. two. I'd probably bump it up to like a number three. Near El Bagones. That situation. All right. Uh, sir. Here we go. The next one. Uh, this is this is this was longish, but it was it was good. Um, All Golds Canyon, starring Tom Waits, uh, and it's the, just the story. Tom Waits is a prospector, uh, and he is with his, his burrow and, and they're going through the mountains probably of <laughs> Wyoming or something or, or like Oregon his or something. Bur- his burrow. He's got, a, like- he's, got a, uh, he's got a burrow. I know, but just the way you said it just sounded like it was <laughs> his Brooklyn, his burrow, his, his burrow of New York. His Queens. His Woodle. His the Bronx. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's just this <laughs> – what this is this the, the 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 greatest thing about this vignette lies in just the gorgeous uh, nature shots of nature in this thing are un freaking believable. Yeah. It's just HD, just beautiful purple. The coloring, the lighting, everything's perfect. And then character-wise, the character Tom Waits is badass. Great. If, if you think of whatever you think a prospector was back in the yep. OS, this is that this is your new standard. It's in the dictionary. This is the the <laughs> the, the, the picture that should be next yeah, to it. Just kind of talk grumbling to himself. And... Oh, just perfect with the, with the the pony burrow, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, the donkey. Uh, just walking with it. Got the clanging all the pots equipment, and cl- pots and, and pans yeah. clanging on him, and then just I'm guessing that's it's true to life what he does. He kind of digs for some dirt in an area that he thinks might have some gold in it. Goes, yeah, and yeah. simmers well, it through the pot. It was a beautiful opening sequence when you see the different types of nature. Like a, a buck comes is grazing in the water, and then you see an owl, and you see uh, the fish, and they all hear him coming, and they all go their separate ways. Yeah. And then he comes and he does this whole prospecting thing and you see him live a few days of that life. And I, I, it was a very sweet moment when he was climbing up and finds uh, the owl's eggs to eat. And he takes them and he looks up and the owl's in another tree across from him looking directly at him. And he feels guilty. Goes, and he puts three goes, and then he takes one back. He takes and he goes, back. all right, just one. Yeah, it's really odd. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm guessing that was to make like. Oh, the guy has a heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was absolutely. To make you think that, like, you wanted to get on his side. It was a good way in a short story to get you on Perfect his side. Perfect way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And then, uh, yeah. Strikes it big. Strikes it big. Hits yeah. it. Keeps, keeps talking strikes to the, gold, gold. The, gold, the pocket of gold by going, all right, Mr. Pocket. Mr. Pocket. He goes, you're old. You know, I'm old, but you're older. That's a great line. And, and then he, every day he's just trying to find this gold and then finally finds it. And they got a great thing where he's staring at the gold. Is it the reflection he sees the guy? I think so, yeah. In the gold reflection he sees the bandit behind yeah. him with the gun pointed at him and his face drops. And the guy shoots him right in the, the back. back. And then you think, that's it. Because other stories, I think a couple other ones ended with people dying. Yeah. You, know, you just think death is final in these things. The guy holds the gun on him for a bit, sits down, smokes Which a cigarette. Which was a cool thing. You saw the blood expand over his shirt in yeah. the back yeah. for the passing of... That was a cool Every, way. There's so, that, that's, not, that's what I'm saying. Details. Details. Details in this movie are unfucking believable <laughs> yeah. And the guy's holding the gun on him, I think, I think to make sure, like, you're playing possum kind yeah. of thing. And the, he just holds it, holds it, sees the blood, hops down, I guess, to grab the body or, you know, start getting the gold. And he's not dead. He True wrestles possum. the thing. Shoots him, gets him, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, doing the, all the whole old prospector stuff." And then, uh, I, then that's I, I might be the only one with a happy ending. Uh, yeah, because the end of it is he gets his gold, he gets on his, <laughs> gets the burrow, and they kind of he starts the same song he was uh, singing when he walked in the scene, and just sings that on the way out yeah. into the woods. And I and all the rest of the order was restored because you saw the owl come back. See, I took it as it was showing, I think it was supposed to be like, and maybe I'm thinking too heavily about this, what we we do to the planet. Because they didn't show everything restored. They just showed, they showed the holes in the perfect ground. I took that as that. Like the animals scurry when he's there. It's kind of showing like, but they came back. They come, they They come back. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, they showed the destruction he did, and he wa- and like so you had the h- humans. It yeah, was like, I think it was right. supposed to be like a little like uh, symbolic of what humans can do when they come yeah, to an area. Versus Mother Nature, like it was this peaceful, peaceful place. He came in, there's loud, he kills a guy, he's he's, you know, like yeah, exactly, loud, singing a song, yeah, trying to yeah. trying to take stuff from the earth. Uh, there's a there's a scuffle, there's violence. Then he gets out of there, and they come back. But the damage that he did was done. The bodies there, the holes are there. So I think that's supposed to be their way of being like, "Hey, humans, fuck up shit." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Maybe not. Yeah, but I'm, that's I, a good way to read it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think that. Yeah, I just read it as that because I was like, "I'm always." That's what I'm saying. I think there's so much more to these things. Like it's always like Usually. I said, the forehead thing. I think it's like the ashes. I'm telling you, it could be. I think they're trying to. You know, put oh, that's film, and that's most films, you know. Yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, this would be this is up, up there for me, if not my favorite one. After all is said and done, this was my number three for me. Uh, let's see here. So number two. Yeah. They have number. T- I would not. Put this I disagree number with two. this one too. They have number two as meal ticket. Yeah. So. Um, that's the one with Liam Neeson and uh, ha- Harry Melling, who I didn't know before this. Neither did I, but I did love Liam Neeson's character. But this one was a little too long. I just didn't – the story was okay. It was Sad, man. It was very sad. It was a lot of the same – like I know they're driving the point home of his monologues you know, uh, with Ozymandias, do which sort of has deeper meaning. Do you want to – can we do a quick description? Yeah, you want to yeah. try, try it? Uh, so basically Liam Neeson is uh, a traveling uh, – kind of theater producer if you will uh and he his stagecoach turns into a stage and basically he puts on a show from town to town wherever they travel with a uh a, an armless and legless man um and is the actor 
and he basically sits upon a chair in the middle of the stage and with a spotlight on him, and he recites classic uh, plays and famous monologues. And you don't know how they're related. The, uh, the, no, uh, either. But yeah, the Ozymandias was the big one. And so they just kind of show him uh, going through their lives of traveling and performing shows. And as they go on, the crowds just get smaller and smaller. Yeah. And where he can't make any money. And they finally, they come upon one little village where there's a chicken who can add and subtract <laughs> Math, you know, <laughs> and it's just this brilliant chicken, and it draws a humongous crowd and makes a ton of money, like insane. Yeah, and Liam Neeson eventually buys the chicken from the uh, from the owner, and in the maybe one of the sadder ones uh, ending, you just kind of see the I mean, next it's the saddest. Yeah, it might be the saddest. Uh, you see Liam Neeson the next day. Uh, you know the I don't know what you would call the arm. What is the, if there's a name for that? Not a Qua- uh, not par- uh, I don't know. Yeah, so no I, arms and no not legs. Not paraplegic. It's just, a, it's, yeah. it's just literally a tor- he's a torso. A torso. Yeah, uh, not to be insensitive. That's what he is. And I know they they didn't talk at all. I I, I kind of found that cool. Off, you know, he just kind of never talked. muttered to himself when he's putting on the makeup, but they never shared words directly to each other. And Liam Neeson did everything for him. He you know helped him go to the bathroom. He did fed him, and so well, hence the name. He didn't, he didn't view him. He was just doing it to, yeah. to profit. So you see Liam Neeson uh, kind of pull his coach off to the side of a bridge, and he goes over and finds a rock about the same size of uh, Harry, and he drops it, and he sees that it would sink. And uh, then you just kind of see the coach driving on with just, with the, just chicken. the chicken. <laughs> it's a really fucked up. Yeah. There's two things I think that they're trying to convey in this one. I think one of them, what I took from it, they didn't have them talk because he was just an object to, to right, Liam Neeson. Right, right, right. The Liam Neeson character was just a piece of shit. So, so he was just an object to him. He was just all he's like. I do the setting up. You do the act. Burden, even you know, a burden. Yeah, he's a burden to Almost. him. But that's why I thought the angle was going to be he's a son or something related. Or, I, I did. I thought it was going to be a little bit more. Yeah, uh, and I think. That's why you get the meal ticket thing. It's like, hey, you, you know, meal ticket anymore. You're, you're, you're the, not a draw. It's really, you're not. really fucking brutal. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> you're a chicken. You're, yeah. You're a like, human life. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just... Even, even they have a shot. They have a great shot of him, the guy, whoever Harry plays the character, in the back, right after he buys the chicken, with the chicken clucking next to him, hanging in the back of the, of yeah, the wagon. Yeah, yeah, And him just looking at the chicken like, what the hell? Like, like you know, like, just realizing, oh, I'm just... I'm just the hired. Yep. I'm, ju- I'm I'm not a person to this guy. Right, I'm right. just part of the of the equipment, you know. Uh and the other thing, so that that and that's why it's so great they never had them talk. The only thing they have him say is his speech, I think, his speeches and his stories. Exactly, yeah, they yeah. do. Just to make it it's like the clucking of the chicken, just the act, just the clucking yeah. of the chicken. It's perfect. And the other thing is I think what they're trying to show and that could be wrong about this again, I don't know, I'm not a I'm not a scholar. <laughs> but the other thing is um I think that when his shows were getting less and less, 
I think it was trying to show the dumbing down of people. I think it's showing yeah, yeah, how yeah, dumb yeah. we are. Right, like right, how right. how no, because it was a famous legitimate theater. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. He was... They even called him. Like, he's, he's, come see the orator. The, yeah, the yeah, order. Yeah. The, or, you know, whatever. the other thing is, what would you? What do you think was more of a brutal scene? The scene when they they imply that he throws him in the river and kills this handicapped guy, or the scene where he goes to the hooker and he doesn't have them in a different room. He doesn't have the guy in a different yeah. room. He just Liam Neeson just turns him around and still goes to the hooker. Now they don't show you anything, but they just kind of imply like yeah. he had to hear the sounds of like that's right. brutal it's like insane it's like come uh, on you can't leave him in the lobby Why I love you, like, I loved him dropping the rock over the bridge I thought that was brilliant I thought it was great I uh, loved it it was and, and they, then you just go oh poor guy poor guy the expressions on his face were just like oh yeah. man come on so I think this one I I just it made me feel so sad that I was like oh I'm not into this yeah, and it, it was wasn't my favorite one Fourth for you? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fourth or fifth for me. Um, so that's that one. And then we come to the namesake. Everybody's favorite. Is this everybody's favorite? I think so. I think I might like the gold one better than this. Not oh. to be difficult. No, just no, because, that's fine. It's uh, my favorite. The, the ballad namesake. Of, yeah. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, and it kind of, you think it's setting the tone for all of them, but it's kind of, you get you get a range of what these things are going to be. These things are, go from funny to really fucking sad. Yeah. And the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is really good. Uh, uh, it's just this because you don't even know what the movie's going to be. It's kind of it's funny. What do you think about the choice of them starting with this one? Uh, interesting question. I didn't really uh, think about the order too much. Um, I think it was a good tone setter because it has a little bit of everything. It has the music. <laughs> Which uh, there is a lot of a lot of music and singing in this movie, which there you is. don't really sometimes expect from Coen Brothers. Sure you do. Oh brother. All right. Oh, for, aside from Oh brother, but that was also oh, kind brother. of in a similar, maybe uh, older, yeah, I mean, yeah, or a younger movie, but they in those like, time, old like timey music. Yeah, yeah. No, music is a very much huge I think part Lebowski of that movie. Has but I mean, soundtrack's like, a big part of it. Actual characters yeah. doing the singing. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah. Oh no, not like in music every vignette. Movie. I feel like there was someone singing and everyone maybe i think because when uh liam neeson was drunk he was singing you had uh the mr pocket and the, his old prospector songs uh obviously in ballad of buster scruggs he comes in riding the, uh, and the he's girl big one, on songs that the was the one, only no. one i can't think of a song and also obviously Frank on if there's any singing. yeah maybe you're right okay yeah. so that's they're fun, both yeah, my theory yeah but no but that is close yeah but uh, yeah so he comes in singing on his steed and uh, he's playing guitar, and he's just you're just kind of like, oh, this is a you know old just a cowboy. He's kind of a character. Yeah, he's kind of a showman too. Yeah, and uh, and he's like pristine and pristine white, pristine white, and he's wearing white as like he's a good guy. Yes, yeah. and he's very much not. No, he's a, he just kills anybody who even like kind of looks at him the wrong way. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Which is great because that's what I mean by tone setter. I thought it was just a, a you're immediately taking your guy. Oh, he's not good at all. Well, you started off with this very like, oh, this is like a Roy Rogers type of guy and then he comes in and it's like perfect with yes. super gritty like super gritty yeah. shooting like blood everywhere, you know, that kind of thing. He's just looking for a card game and then uh you know, he's he does <laughs> He basically it was like Roy Rogers, the first opening thing of this of this thing is is him saying, "I see this, you know, saloon, that maybe they want to get a card game going." And he it's like Roy Rogers walking into like the bar from from Dust Till Dawn. Like yeah. it's like it's like it's basically <laughs> yeah. what it is. 
And because they're all just these grizzled, grizzled dudes. That's one thing they nailed in this movie. Yeah. These grizzled, old-timey Western dudes. Just the look of them. And is so badass. So he obviously gets no respect from these guys. And he says, uh, well, you know, can I get a whiskey? And he says, well, drinking's illegal in this county. Dry county. And he said, well, these guys are all drinking. I thought this was a great line. He goes, well, they're all outlaws. <laughs> Which is so. Because <laughs> so they can break the law. It's a great line. <laughs> and... Um, I forget the, the the argument, but he eventually goes. Uh, I guess the, they all draw, and he's he's such an expert marksman and great shooter. Yeah, he just he takes just them out, levels them all out, and uh, spares nobody. No, and uh, so that's done with that. Moves on to uh, Frenchman's Gulch, I believe it was called, where he's like, I'm unfamiliar with this town. Yeah, but it's more of like a uh, frontier village. Finds a saloon, and you check your guns at the door. And sees finally finds his card game. And sees Clancy Brown. Yeah, Clancy Brown. Who's great. And uh, he's holding. He's packing. Yeah. And, they uh, never tell you why, though. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. He just broke the rules. Yeah. Which uh, Buster doesn't care for. Yeah. He did adhere to all the rules. He did. It, if you think about that, like the rules of like, okay, somebody come to challenge you for a showdown. He goes, well, if I'm challenged, I have to finish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you know, so the guy said, hey, man, you're not supposed to be holding and he the great scene where he kicks the table and yeah it's great and forces him crazy <laughs> right to shoot himself shoots multiple himself times multiple times in the head and your forehead and uh, uh, gets challenged by uh, his brother who comes and challenges him uh, I said you just shot my brother yeah I'll or, meet you was, outside <laughs> yeah and then he just shoots, shoots every one hand. of the brother's fingers off it's just it's just, it's so funny just the different thing you have the sing, sing songy Tim Blake Nelson being like with Tarantino style violence going yes, on exactly. you know what I mean like <laughs> it's just a great juxtaposition of the, it's just a weird weird thing yeah and then there's a guy, the man in black. The man in black, the kid. The kid shows up and uh, challenges them, and then he gets he gets caught. Yeah. And where does he get shot? Right in the dome. Right in the dome. Right in the, right in the middle of his forehead. This I thought had a uh, kind of a no country for old men th- feel to it. He was, you know, your time has come. So, yeah. You know, it's always going to be somebody behind you, better and quicker. And they even sing about that in the. Yeah, yeah. He sings about that in the. Uh, the man in black comes up and right. he sings about that to him before he kind of. Or over his body or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then they have a Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of thing, <laughs> where they, they show like him with wings on his as yeah. an angel coming above. <laughs> it was just this re- weird surrealist type western thing, you know? Like, yeah, it was a almost, goofy one. It was a goofy one. That's why I was like, oh, is this going to be every one of them is going to be like this, where almost doesn't have like the you're not in the parameters of reality, but you it wasn't. Everything yeah. else was kind of realistic. They got a little more Except serious the as one. they went on. For I mean, that's what it is. Book ending. Well, oh. the first two were kind of goofy. The James Franco one and the bank was the second. But James Franco was all straight up. There wasn't any kind of there wasn't any fantastical things in it. Like uh, he's an angel. True, he, yeah, true, yeah, yeah. true. Um, this is your hands down your favorite one. I uh, yeah, I think it was my favorite. I think I'm I gonna like, watch it again too. It's like I think I like the gold one the best because I like it was a great one because it was great because well, except for that one guy coming in, but he doesn't say anything. You just had Tom Waits by himself. Yeah, and he did such a great job by himself that I was I like, actually switched it. And just the the complete ruggedness of it, like it's insane. Like when I did that, these these are my top three: the uh, Buster Scruggs, Franco, Old Prospector, and, and uh, yeah. Franco. But just just watching, like when you think of an old prospector, that you it is right out of Central Casting. Just this, it like, was perfect. Oh, it's insane. So overall, after talking about it, do you like the movie any more or less? Or do you feel the same? Uh, way about it? Yeah, I like it a little more that we've fleshed it out. I'll probably 
Yeah, maybe I could bump it up to a seven, but I it's still I have a lot of Coen Brothers movies ahead of it. But like but I said, you, that's a one-time think- viewing, and you know how Coen yeah. Brothers are age like fine wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, but do you think they're changing their direction a little bit? Do you think they're kind of going for a more like I kind of phrased no, it where they work Wes a lot. Anderson? No, they work a lot. They do work a lot. Yeah. What I'm saying is, do you think they're getting? You can you can they're in their own universe more, where it's like they're not gonna almost like you could say that first one with the angel stuff is like, or it kind of fits into Oh Brother, where they had weird stuff in that. Yeah, where, their universe is so large and expansive, but there's still things that tie that make it Cohen Brothers. Yeah, yeah, like the, I the think language this falls right into even the way that the, some of the lines are said because the way and the one of the girl who got whatever it's called, the one with the wagon train. Even the way that Billy, uh, uh, Bill Knapp, Billy Knapp speaks yeah. in that, other characters have spoken like that in Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I no, I don't think they're ever going to make. I, like, I think I, they're such true classic filmmakers. They're they're just going to do what they do. Yeah. Uh, medium or not, or I guess format or whatever streaming device you're going to put it. I don't think that's going to change their. Movie making or no, no, I don't think that'll change it. What I'm just saying is, well, you have more of these. Like they're not going for. I think what I'm trying to a say complete, is, that it's like a. I think, I think one it's way story. more subtle than they used to be. So I think like okay, so if you take, if you take Fargo now, Fargo is a great movie, but the comedy in Fargo is not beat over your head. It's still smart comedy, but it, it's kind of like the way things people are saying things. The jokes are a little bit more straight down the line. This one, you know. It's a little bit dry, a little bit drier. Like the Franco one has that dry, dark humor in it. Um, even the Tim Blake Nelson thing, it's a little bit weird. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're kind of making themselves more niche as the older they get. And uh, making movies. You know no, think so? I think no? they always do that. I think they've they always done do that. that. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. they fluctuate a really good deal. Like you said, where there's some misses, where there's they've gone from downright goofy stuff to completely to serious. totally serious. And I think they're always gonna. Lock onto a project and whatever tone they find, yeah, is just gonna they're gonna do what it makes the best movie. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think. Just keep doing what you do, boys. Don't ever change because you're my favorite. And- <laughs> they do. They listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you gonna rewatch? Should we rewatch Intolerable Cruelty? Yeah, I'll rewatch Intolerable Cruelty. I'll rewatch it. Maybe we can do like a little short thing on it. Uh, maybe uh, we'll uh, yeah over the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, so my, my overall, uh, it, when it comes to defending this movie, I think I think it fits into the uh, the Coen Brothers uh, catalog. There, I think it. I think it. Definitely. I think it, fit, it feels right at home. That's what I'm saying. Like, and Intolerable Cruelty. If I had to like my remembrance of it now, like how I'm remembering it, it didn't make sense with the other movies. Like, like not that it has to, but I'm saying when you think Coens, you think a certain way. It didn't have the same feel to me than the other ones. So, but this huh. one I think feels right at home. The people they used, the the writing, the shots, the everything 100%. about it. It's, there's a lot of Coen Brothers elements in this movie. Yes. Um, well, thank you so much, Andy. Thank you, Alex. No problem. We're at Showbiz Studios. That's showbrizstudios.com. They have a YouTube page. They also have an iTunes page where you can check out all the Showbrew Studios podcast with a bunch of our friends that run those. Uh, and Andy, would you like to plug anything? Um, yeah, I guess this will come out the day after Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving. I hope you all had a great one. Uh, and tonight you can find me at the Tarrytown Music Hall. It's a beautiful theater uh, that I've done once before in Tarrytown, New York. Uh, so if you're around that area, it'll be a fun thing to do the day after Thanksgiving. 
And uh, for all my dates, just go to andyfiori.com. Awesome. And uh, yes, this is Friday. Happy Thanksgiving for me as well. And tonight and tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, I'll be opening up for Jim Norton at Caroline's. So if you want to come to that, just go to Caroline's. I think it's carolines.com, but just Google yep. Caroline's Comedy Club and get some tickets because Norton is a legend and it'll be fun shows. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Alex. Thank you. Uh, email us, defendyourmovie at gmail.com to let us know what you think, what movies we should do, and at defendyourmovie on Gmail. And we love you very Twitter. much. And, uh, on Twitter. What did I say, Gmail? <laughs> yeah. yeah, on Twitter. Sorry. NyQuil. Uh, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>